Good morning. Everybody doing okay? That's good? Good? So, hey, if you're new to the church, um, we, we take a lot of uh, healthy pride in the fact that we're very honest, very transparent, um, a place where you can confess. And in that spirit, I um, just want to be honest with you guys and, and confess something. So, my wife and I, uh, we've been having some struggles. It's been pretty bad. And it kind of reached a boiling point this week when she came into my room and she stole the thesaurus off my nightstand. And I was stunned, shocked, appalled, aghast, <laughs> bewildered. Tip. So, um, so a thesaurus is a book and you look up words and it has synonyms for that word. I'm actually okay, my wife and I are fine and, and the jokes don't get any better, so. If you're new, the older I get, uh, and I used to be an English teacher, so English jokes are just kind of funny, right? <laughs> Apparently not. It didn't work at any of the services. Don't clap. That's just pity and patronizing at this point. Don't, don't worry about it. So um, we happen to be doing our vision service this weekend. We do this a couple of times a year. Uh, we take a break from doing the verse-by-verse -verse teaching. And, and I've been doing this church for 13 years now. We started it 13 years ago, we've always done a vision service. I actually went back and watched a couple of really old ones last night. They're all on the app. It's funny to go back and watch some of those from 10, 11 years ago. And um, we thought a budget of $12,000 a month was like, you know, a big deal and stuff like that. And um, anyways, so the reason why we do these is we want to be transparent with the church and, and we want to show you everything, not only that God is doing, but what we, what we think God is gonna do in the future through this church. And so what I was started to say a minute ago is I've never felt as much weight doing this as I have this year. And maybe that's because of the state of the world. Maybe that's because this church is getting to do a lot of really phenomenal things right now. But I just felt like this was, came at a very timely, uh, very timely place right now in our year. We'll start the book of Esther next weekend. We were gonna start it this weekend, but I reversed it because I thought it'd be weird to interrupt Esther right after we started it and did an intro in chapter one. So we'll get back to the verse-by-verse -verse teaching uh, next week. Well, I think we're doing the book of Ephesians after that. Something about ease. And then I think at the beginning of next year, don't hold me to this yet, we're talking about the book of Exodus, which would take a long time, um, but that'll be fun until about mid-June and you guys are like, ah, oh, we're still in Exodus. It'll take, a, it'll take a whole year probably to work through that, but we're thinking about doing that. So this week though, we're gonna do a vision service. You should have got a notes handout Everything I'm gonna talk about will be in that. Everything will be on the screens. If you have an app, the, uh, uh, the Experience Community app, just click on Sermon Notes. You got everything right there. So it's a good time to say that the app is extremely useful. Most of the stuff we're gonna talk about today, you can access through the app or the website, um, but the app is really, really handy. So I'm gonna pray. I hope that what we, we talk about today, I hope that if you're new, you will know virtually everything about how this church functions. If you're not new, I hope that you're excited about what God is doing through you guys. And that I hope you're excited about not only the rest of this year, but what 2023 is going to look like. So thank you for being here. And um, I know there's a couple more empty seats in here than, than normal today. It's because of the, the, the brutal Tennessee climate out there. It rained a little bit this morning. So um, <laughs> as a pastor, it's, sometimes it's easy to get cynical. When you go to Africa and you learn that people walk seven miles through the mud to get to church five days a week, um, it can cause some cynicism when you're a pastor in the American church. So anyways, glad that you guys are here. No one should be offended because you're here. So anyways, let me pray. You're welcome to pray for me. Obviously, I need it. 
and uh, we'll work through this vision service and, and hopefully you'll be charged up by that, okay? Father, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that's in this room this morning. God, as we talk about what you're doing, the wonderful things you're doing, the opportunities we have to, to get on board with what you're doing, I just pray that you bless our church. God, we have an absolutely wonderful body of believers, God. Lord, we don't just pray for our church. We pray for every church in our city. We pray for our other campuses and the churches in those cities. Pray for the great nonprofits and, and other churches around the world we get to work with. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God. We pray all these things in your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we didn't always do a vision service. I didn't always have a vision statement. It was only like year three, I think, that we started doing this. And when I first started this church, I had been hurt pretty bad by a church, and I was kind of anti-anything too corporate-y or, or, or too business-looking. But over time of studying the Word of God and praying, and then you read through Proverbs, and it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I'm like, man, God, I should put something together that kind of helps show this church where they're going. And so this is what we came up with. Very, very simple, very straightforward, not anything crazy, unique, or different. But our vision statement that you'll see all around this church at all of our campuses, on our website, and everything we do is simply this. To lead people to Christ through authentic worship, which is like what we're doing right now, authentic community, and authentic community service. That's it. And all we're doing with that vision statement is we're basically plagiarizing God's vision statement. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, he had been crucified, resurrected. He was leaving, going back up to heaven in bodily form. Jesus, at the end of Matthew, looks at his disciples and he tells what is going to be the church, the vision that he has for the church. And he says, I want you to go out to the entire world, make disciples, followers of Jesus, baptize them and teach them. That's it. This should be the objective for every single church that exists on planet Earth, to make disciples, baptize and teach. And if that's the vision of Christ to his bride, that's us, the church, we need to put tremendous effort in doing that to the best of our abilities. So what we do at this church is we created this discipleship process. We are a very simple church. If you've never heard me say that before, this is everything this church does. It is extremely simple, the process by which we want people to go through to get closer in their relationship with Jesus and closer in their relationship with other people. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna quickly run through these five things. Worship, next class, development, community, and service. I'm gonna work through these things and then we'll talk about what the church is doing now and hopefully what the future looks like. The first stage is this, right? Where you come in, everyone's welcome. It's a very inviting atmosphere. You got coffee, you have hospitality, comfortable seats, air conditioning, like, like all these things, right? Where you come in and anyone can come into this place and feel welcome. And so we are committed to, to what we call corporate worship. That means all of us gathering together once a week. Now this is very, very biblical. And I'm not trying to be rude or a jerk this morning, but whenever I hear someone who professes to be a Christian say, well, I think you can be a Christian and not go to church, that is not biblically supported, not one place in the entire Bible. If you start in the book of Acts where the church began all the way through Revelation, which hasn't happened yet, the Bible tells us in the New Testament for the believers of God to meet together once a week in a corporate setting like this. Even if you go into the Old Testament, the people of God always met in the synagogues at least once a week because corporate worship is important. It brings us closer to God, 
brings us closer to each other, no matter how much of a sour mood you are in when you come into this place, when we start worshiping, you kind of forget all that garbage and it focuses you on God. Man, even last night, true story, I'm about to come to the five o'clock service. I get here at about 1.30 on Saturdays. We have a five o'clock and a seven o'clock. And so I'm about ready to come here. I get in the shower, it's not warm. And I'm like, oh, what the heck? I get done taking a cold shower and our pilot light is out and our, our, our water heater is not, not heating stuff, trying forever to get this started, nothing, right? So I'm in this really terrible mood when I come in, but right when I get into worship, I forget that you know, I'm gonna be taking cold showers this week. And, and so things are, are, are better when you come into this atmosphere, you focus on the correct things. We need to do this. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, we need to do this more and more consistently as the second coming of Christ gets closer. This is important. And when we get together like this, this church is committed to the word of God. Now I know every church says that, but very few churches actually read straight from the word of God. That's all we do here. Next week we'll be in Esther. You will hear every single word of Esther read to you. If we decide to do Exodus, you will hear all 40 chapters read to you and we will break it down. When you study verse by verse like that, it prohibits you from skipping the difficult passages in the Bible. And it puts the Bible in proper context. So people sometimes will say, man, the Bible's hard to understand. Well, you buy any book and start in the middle, it's hard to understand. You don't know the context of it. You don't know who the people are. You don't know how they got to the situation they were in. So when we work through the 66 books of the Bible, we work through it from start to finish. And this helps people comprehend. The, the greatest and most consistent compliment this church gets is, people come up and say, Corey, I have never learned as much in such a short period of time as I have at this church. That's not because I'm a good teacher, it's because this is a powerful book. And when we just work through it, it works. It creates a love of the word of God and it grows Christians exponentially quicker. Now at every one of our weekend services, we always do communion. Everyone is welcome to take communion at the end of this service, as long as you've asked Jesus to forgive you. It brings every single service back to the cross and back to Jesus. We always have a pastor at the corner of the stage to answer any questions that anyone might have, whether they be non-believers or struggling believers. And we have prayer, people at the front, every single service, all four services, every weekend, people appear at the front to pray with you. So hopefully you will move from just weekend services to eventually we will get you to a next class, which isn't much of a class. What you do is you come here, we usually do it the second Monday of every single month. We'll give you a tour around the building. I will tell you my personal story. We have pizza and coffee. It's a weird combination, but people seem to like it. And um, we'll have pizza and coffee. And, and, and this is my opportunity uh, to get to know you, like personally get to know you. This is your opportunity to, to kind of get to know me, not just the guy on stage, but we can shake hands or hug and you can ask any questions you wanna ask. And it's just a really good kind of introduction to the church and our team. And it's just a good thing that you should do. And then from that next class, we hope that you get into our development classes. I need to meet this young lady. I like her. I saw this picture on Facebook. She has no shoes on, tattoos, and she's wearing a church shirt. We might be related, her and I, I'm not sure, but I really, really like her. So we wanna make sure we get to the next stage, which is our development classes. We have a wonderful seven-week course, right? And all of these are free to go through. We provide everything for you. A seven-week course 
that is, that is basically like an overview of the Christian faith, uh, basic Christian theology. And even if you've been a Christian for a long time though, this is a wonderful class to go through. You'll meet a lot of people, learn a lot of great things. We cover prayer and worship, the Bible, baptism, communion, the Trinity, the church, how to share your faith, what it actually means to be a disciple. From that, we try to encourage people to go through a class called Authentic Discipleship. It's a little bit more in depth. We wrote the curriculum for this as well. It's 12 weeks long, and it's basically taking everything from the first thing and teaching you how to go out and make more followers of Jesus, how to be a disciple maker, not just a follower of Jesus, but a maker of followers of Jesus. That's what that second class does. We also have things like Discovery Bible Study. So if you have our app on your phone, there's a thing called DBS on your phone, and it's basically a Bible study that you can do with anyone at any time, anywhere. If you pull out the phone, click on that, it will walk you through a Bible study with anyone at any time, anywhere. It's just a good little supplemental tool. We offer a class called Experience Finance. It's free. It's five weeks, talks about budgeting, talks about how to get out of debt, talks about how to use money in a way that, that, that honors God and is biblical. We have a free premarital class called Preparing for Marriage. Tim and Donna Ritchie, who've been married 40 plus years, they walk you through all the really uncomfortable, weird stuff, all this kind of thing. That just get everything out on the table before you tie the knot and you can start off on a really healthy foot with your marriage. All these things are on the app, they're on the website. You can sign up for any of these. And we do them all multiple times a year, okay? Three times a year at least with all these different programs. So worship next, um, the development classes, and then hopefully we will get you in some kind of community. Community is important because when you read the Bible, God himself is communal, Father, Son, Spirit. There's perfect community within God. And if we are made in the image of God, we are made to be communal. So one bad piece of theology is that you can be a Christian and not go to church. The Bible doesn't support that. Another one is, is when people go, well, it's just me and Jesus. It's not supposed to be just you and Jesus. That's why the Bible says it's not good that people be alone. We are meant to do this thing in community because without community, it's virtually impossible to be held accountable. So what'll happen is someone won't come to church for four months or they'll be in the hospital and they'll send a really nasty email to the church going, why did no one call me? And then we will look in to our database and say, well, you've never been to a next class. You've never been in a life group. You don't serve anywhere and you don't consistently come. How are we to know? that you haven't been here? How are we to know that you're in the hospital? Well, that's why I don't like those big churches. Listen, the average individual can only memorize the names of 120 people. So if you're expecting me to memorize all 5,000 people, it's not going to happen. It's not just a big church problem. Any church over about 125 people, the pastor cannot be connected to all those individuals. So you're gonna have to go to a really small, probably dying church if you want the pastor to call you every single time you miss church. That's not my job, right? But if you have a small group and you're not spiritually where you need to be, they're gonna notice. If you're in a small group and you end up in the hospital, you're gonna have a group of people who will know they will get a hold of us. We will buy you a bunch of junk food and flowers that you probably shouldn't have in the hospital. We will do that for you, but we have to have that small group to let us know what's going on in your life. It's in small groups that you can actually discuss what the word says. It's where you create friendships. It's where you create mentorships. It's where you find support, right? So all throughout the New Testament, Christians met 
in, in, in church on the weekends and they met in each other's homes throughout the week, right? Small groups are not a new thing. They've been around for 2,000 years. In our small groups, we want to be intentional. What that means is this. We don't want you to just start a small group so you can create a click and not talk to anybody. We want you to invite your neighbors. We want you to invite your friends. We want groups to continually be healthy and grow so they have to multiply and there can be more and more and more groups so we can disciple people, reach people. If you're interested in getting in a group or maybe even eventually leading a group, Email us, lifegroups at experiencecc.com. We'll get you plugged in, we'll get you trained, okay? And so after that, we eventually want everyone in our church to serve in some capacity. That can either be inside the church or outside of the church. We do a lot of stuff in our community. This church has several different things that we have started and some that we partner with. Um, at our nine o'clock service, we have a, a ministry that feeds the homeless called 5,000 that works through Journey Home. We have another homeless ministry called Stepping Stones that specifically works for women and children who are homeless. We actually house those women and children in this building two weekends a month, and we do a lot of work with them. We have a wonderful ministry called Embrace Grace that works with either women who have had abortions or who have had unintended pregnancies, and they're gonna keep the child, so we build a support system around them and help them. This is our church's very gracious and Christ-like way of dealing with unintended or unwanted pregnancies. We have a great ministry called Bar Ministry. It's a good one. We've been doing this for about 12 years. We have a hot dog stand that we set up every single Friday on the square, because uh, on the square, there's a lot of bars. Eventually, it's just going to be bars and lawyers on the squares, and that, I guess, works out well for the lawyers. But anyways, so we set up a hot dog stand on the square and we give out hundreds of free hot dogs every single Friday night when people come out of the bars. You say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, if, you, if you're around drunk people long enough, God typically comes up, right? They always bring it up. So what we do is we give them hot dogs, we give them coffee. Again, it's a weird combo, but it works. We give them water in the hopes that people will get sobered up before they hop in their 4,000 pound machine and hurt themselves or hurt other people. So we talk to them, we try to get them to sober. If they're not sober enough, we'll get them a cab, we'll get them an Uber, we'll do something like that, okay? We have another ministry called Reclaimed that works with people who are incarcerated at 940, both men and women. We do Bible studies, we walk with them, we'd love for you to get involved in that. And then of course we partner with literally dozens of nonprofits in this town, not just financially, we want to get you plugged in serving those different nonprofits. That's outside. And then of course we have all kinds of volunteer opportunities inside. Uh, if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, we always need help with parking. Um, we'll give you a really cool stylish orange vest. We'll give you this little thing that looks like a lightsaber to point people where their, their cars are. This is where people are usually their most Christ-like when they're coming in and out of crowding, <laughs> crowded parking lots. So we'd like you to be involved with that. That was passive aggressive, wasn't it? In all actuality, you can almost see the Holy Spirit departing cars in between the nine and 11 because parking is such a, uh, an ordeal here. But we need help with parking. We need help with hospitality. People are on their best during hospitality. You come in here, you get a free cup of coffee. That's when everyone is smiling and happy. Holy Spirit returns back to all of us at that point. We always need help with children. Um, this campus has somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 or 1400 children here every single weekend. 
I've taught the, the, the book of Song of Solomon twice here, and you guys were obviously listening during that book of the Bible. We have lots of children. We have lots of babies in the nursery. If you've never read Song of Solomon, it's, um, it's about sex. And uh, <laughs> we have lots, lots of babies. It's 11 o'clock, man. I'm almost out of here, guys, and I'm gonna go home and take a nap. We need lots of help in the nursery. We need, we, we need help with Emerge. If you're not familiar with Emerge, we're one of the few churches in the state of Tennessee that has a special needs ministry of this, of this size and of this caliber. Right now, we work with about 70 families that have children who have special, special needs. We have two sensory rooms. It's a one-on-one -on -one volunteer to, to child uh, buddy system. So we can only grow that ministry as, as much as we have volunteers. And so this has been a huge ministry. We do it at all four services. We started doing it at several of our services and emerge for special needs with uh, adults with special needs. And so we, if you wanna get involved with that as well, we need help. We always need help with production. We need help with the medical team. We have a medical team at all four campuses in case someone passes out or has chest pains or, or whatever the case may be. There's medical teams in the building at all four services. There's tons of opportunities for you to serve. We will never say no, regardless of where you wanna serve because we always need more help, okay? So that's our five-step process. On top of that five-step process, something that we believe very strongly in is missions. And this doesn't just mean foreign missions. This means right here in our city, our nation, and then of course, the world. When it comes to Tennessee, of course, in Rutherford County, we have this church. We started it in 09. In Cannon County, we have a church in Woodbury. We started in 2017. And now in Bedford County, we have a church right off the square in Shelbyville. We started that last year. And what we are doing now to try to reach as many people in Tennessee as possible is we have a thing called the Ministers and Training Program where we bring in residential interns, right? They're here all the time. We are training them up in the hopes of them going out and planting more churches all over the state of Tennessee. We also have a thing called the Network, which means there's a group of employees that don't just work for this campus, they work for all the campuses. If you're new here, we are non-denominational. We have no outside help, no outside help. So every video you see, every graphic you see, all the curriculum in all of our classes, everything we do, we have made. We have printed it all, we have, we have proofread it all, we have written the content, we've made the images, that everything is made in-house. So we have a group of employees that make all this for all the campuses. So we can continue to plant more churches, but we don't really have to hire a bunch of duplicate people. One group of people can make all the content for all the different campuses. That's how we're ministering to Tennessee. We are also doing work outside of Tennessee in the United States. There's a big misconception. Whenever people talk about missions, they say, well, we gotta send people overseas. Man, Christianity is absolutely dying right here in the United States. If Burlington, Vermont, we've been working with a church up there for about six, seven years now. Burlington, Vermont, in San Francisco usually tie for the least unchurched area in the nation. Burlington, Vermont's one or 2% of the population claims to be Christian. I mean, it's virtually devoid of all Christianity. So we've been working with a church up there for, for about, again, six or seven years. Um, we work with a church in the Delaware, where Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia meet. It's called Delmarva, Delaware. We work with a church that's about two years old there. We, we financially support them and, and support them with just as whatever help we can give them. 
And then we support a church up in Albany, New York. My buddy Mike, who is doing a fantastic job there. They planted their first church in Albany. Now he has a church in Staten Island and Brooklyn as well. So my buddy Mike preaches in Albany, hops on a train, shoots over to Staten Island, preaches, hops on another train, shoots over to Brooklyn, preaches, and then comes back home. Does this every weekend. He's doing a fantastic job out there. Now, COVID has been extremely tough up in the Northeast, and it has made it very hard to go up there physically and help them, but they've flown down here. We still keep in good contact. Uh, this church has supported those, those, those churches very well. So we got our state, our nation, and we are doing a ton of great work throughout the world. Uh, we've been taking mission trips to El Salvador to work with elementary age kids at a place called Kids Castle. We've been doing that for about 12 years. It's an easy mission trip if you ever wanna go on a mission trip. It's not that expensive. We do a lot of work there. If you saw in the video when you first came in, uh, we're doing tremendous amounts of work in Uganda, in East Uganda. Tara, who lives in our house there, in Uganda is doing amazing things. She's working with street kids. And I've told this story before. If you're new though, you've probably never heard me say this. She's working with kids that, that are basically abandoned when they're three, four years old. They live on the streets in gangs till they're in their 20s and sometimes even their 30s. And they're called street kids. They're the roughest of the rough. Um, one of the things that she's doing over there, and, and let me tell you a story before I tell you how many she's helped. So the first time I ever went to Africa, I'm in a park, I'm with Josh Brooker, our pastor from Woodbury and Mike Sanchez that works here. And it was my first time over uh, ever in Africa and we're working with all these street kids and we're giving them food and we're giving them soda, which is like a big treat over there. And so we're giving them the cheap, it's called chapate. It's basically like, uh, like a tortilla. And we're giving them this stuff and we're giving them sodas. And um, there's all these kids and most of them are almost completely naked and they're rough looking because they're the poorest of the poor. I mean, they're, they're, they're wild. They've never had any kind of upbringing whatsoever. And so this one little boy walks up to me, he's about five or six years old and his whole stomach is like an open wound. And so he comes up to me and without thinking, I, I grab out of my backpack some peroxide and some gauze. And when I say not thinking, about 35% of the population has HIV or AIDS. And so I start patching up this kid's stomach, not thinking about you know, HIV and AIDS. And so I'm, I'm sitting here doing this and I'm pouring peroxide on it and cleaning him up and I'm putting all this gauze on him and some bandages on his stomach and I'm mad. And I'm asking the other kids, what happened to this kid? What happened to this boy? And one of the street kids said that an American walked up, gave him some money, and this kid walked around the corner, five, six-year-old kid walked around the corner. Another gang of street kids jumped him, took the money and lit him on fire. And so that's what I was patching up is where they lit this kid on fire. So these kids are rough. They're the roughest of the rough. Um, in the last year, Tara has been working with those kids. We have put 75 of those kids in permanent housing and she has discipled almost 200 of them. They're getting jobs. They're starting their own businesses. They're coming to church every single weekend. They're teaching Bible studies. They're not just receiving them. They are teaching Bible studies. She is going out on the islands of Lake Victoria and we're teaching the same following Jesus class that you guys have. We have translated it to Lugandan, that's the Ugandan uh, uh, language. And they're teaching that following Jesus class, we're providing them with Bibles. We're doing amazing stuff over there. We have a couple that comes to church here that lives in Southeast Asia. Uh, they come over here and when they're in town, this is, this is their church home. Uh, Becky and Topher King, they set up radio stations on the border of hostile nations uh, where reading the Bible or owning a Bible is illegal. And they set up radio stations and they have people reading the Bible straight through 24 seven 
over secret radio waves in areas like North Korea and places like that so people can hear the gospel. Um, we work with the Eastern European Mission. Last year, this church provided over 40,000 Bibles for kids in schools in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we did that last year, and the vice president of this organization comes to church here. We support a young couple that, that, that comes here when they're not in Haiti. They do a big ministry in Haiti, and Haiti may be the roughest nation on planet Earth. Um, we have just started doing stuff in Cairo, Egypt with Brian and Maggot, who is actually Egyptian. And hopefully in the future, we'll be doing mission trips over to Cairo, working with people in Egypt as well. So that's what's happening around the world. So here's the thing. All the stuff that, that I have told you about up to this point is all fantastic. I think it's what God wants us to do. I think this church is honoring the Great Commission to disciple, baptize, and teach. We're benevolent, we're gracious, all that. And because of that, God has put a, a really wonderful problem on this church. The wonderful problem is this. We are growing rapidly, very, very rapidly. So we're seeing rapid growth at all three of our campuses, but this campus in particular, it's starting to get a little tight. And I'm gonna tell you, a lot of things don't keep me up at night, but I'll tell you what keeps me up at, right, at night right now. The, the possibility that someone would not get to hear the gospel because we don't have a parking space or a chair. That really, 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 really bothers me. And so again, I know it's a little thinner this morning, um, but last week or two weeks ago, just at the nine o'clock, we had 1,300 chairs and 1,250 of them were full. At the nine o'clock, I mean, it was, it was uncomfortable. Right now, between our three campuses, we have about 5,750 people coming on average between those three campuses. This campus alone is almost 5,000 of that. We have 4,900 just at this campus. And again, it's starting to get a little bit tight. So we don't have a ton of space. This whole building is 100,000 square foot, but 12,000 of it uh, Mayday rents from us. They were here when we bought this building. We absorbed their lease. There's nothing you know, really we can do about that. So we don't even have access to the entire building. So what we do is we maximize every square inch of this place all the time. If you ever come here any day, Monday through Thursday and Saturday and Sunday, every square inch of this place is being used. So what we're gonna do is this wall right here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, is gonna come out. That'll give us about 150 more chairs and over four services. Um, that'll open up a little bit more space, right? So we'll, we'll open up some space there. Uh, we're adding more chairs. We added in about 150 more chairs in the last couple of weeks. You probably didn't notice, or maybe you did, that the aisles are a little bit thinner. Um, we're gonna keep moving you guys closer, about three-eighths of an inch closer every week. <laughs> and you're not gonna notice until one day, like, you know, someone's sitting on your lap or something. You're like, what the heck, what happened here? So anyways, we're trying to get more people to go to our Saturday services. We still have some room at the five and the seven. We're trying to get people to move over that way. And we do not know if and when this is ever going to happen, but we are praying and thinking about, do we do a second campus in Rutherford County or in Murfreesboro? We're thinking about that. I don't know what that's gonna shape up and look like. I'm gonna tell you what it will never be. I will, you will never go to an experienced community church where there's a live worship band and then a screen comes down and then I'm on a screen. That's never gonna happen. So we will always have real humans writing real lessons, being real pastors in all of our campuses, okay? Another thing we're trying to do is we're trying to make parking less cumbersome for you guys. Uh, 
the average church our size has about 1,500 parking spaces. We have 450. So it makes it a, a little bit different, right? So we use all of these different lots and all these other businesses, and they're fine with that. We just bought, we've always had two golf carts that we use to shuttle people around. We just bought two buses, two 15-passenger buses, one from a United Methodist Church, and then one was a party bus. So we're going to get both of those painted. Um, <laughs> the party bus is fun, though. It's got a TV in it and plenty of storage for, for sodas. So if you're riding that, uh, that's fun. But we're trying to pick you up at your spots, shuttle you in the building as quickly as possible. Here's the other thing. If you go down Park Avenue here, and if you park at those factories way down there, we actually measured it out. The distance is no further than most churches if you're parking in the furthest parking spot. So it just looks a little bit different. We just have more scenery to look at when you're walking from those spots to our building. But we're doing our best. When I tell you we're doing our best, we created this just for our internal use. So the blue area is our actual parking. Everything else, we don't own, but people park there and we shuttle people around and we pick them up. It's like Disney World, right? So if you're staying at the yellow resort, we pick you up there. If you're staying at the green one, whatever the case may be, we're just doing our best to get people in the building as quickly as possible. It's fun. Another thing that we're trying to do to relieve some pressure from this campus is already have four people that we're gonna send and I hope in the beginning quarter of 2023, we will have a church in Manchester, Tennessee. So we have, last time we checked, about 350 people that drive from Coffee County to this campus every single weekend. So we already have a church out there. We just don't have a building and we don't have a team out there yet. So my hope is, is that a couple hundred people will, will go to church out there. So the guy that's gonna be pastoring that, Joe, I'm gonna bring up here and I'm gonna let him preach a couple of times before the end of the year so you can kind of get to know him a little bit. He's a wonderful teacher, a wonderful man that maybe if you're gonna to go to that campus, you'll be able to kind of get acclimated to him before you make that move. This doesn't help our growth problem, but if we want you in community, we need more life groups. So from now to the end of the year, we're gonna start up 32 new life groups with a big push in September. And then those will replicate and, and multiply hopefully pretty rapidly, and we can give you guys community. So for the sake of transparency, and I just wanna say this, and I'm not trying to be all snarky. I've been too snarky this morning with you guys. But if you ever go to a church and how they spend their money is not clear, that should concern you. If I, as a pastor, am going to ask you to give financially to this church, I think I owe it to you to show you where those finances go. So I'm gonna show you where every single dollar that comes into this campus and all of our campuses goes, okay? So in 2021, our church, between all three campuses, gave $8.3 million. What we do at our church is we take what, the, what people gave the previous year, and that is our budget for the following year. That is the most conservative, frugal way to make a budget. We do that because I'm a cheapskate. So our budget this year was 8.3. If you guys keep giving the way you're currently giving, we will probably be about $1.1 million over what our projected budget was. And that's absolutely fantastic. You guys are a very generous church. I feel obligated to show you where every single dollar of that is going. 30.7% goes towards people who work here. The reason why that's the first thing and the reason why I show you a percentage is the average church in the United States, big and small, averages 60% of their budget goes towards the people that work there. 
and that does not include their housing allowance and benefits. At this church, I want you to know we are not getting rich off of you. You know, we, we are not uh, living elaborately. Uh, we, we get paid fine and we're feeding our families, but I want you to know that we are not getting rich off your giving. We are half of the national average and that includes all of our health benefits, okay? Our ministers and training program is about $378,000 a year. That is all their salary and benefits. And these people will go on to plant churches for us. Um, we also bring in the sheriff's department at all four services, the police department at all four services. They are here during the week, during all of our student ministries. We have an outside CPA that audits us every single year just for transparency. We have a maintenance team and childcare workers here if you do small groups on campus. These are our ministry expenses. This is basically how much it costs to do all the different things we do. The worship, the teaching, the, the different classes that we do, all that stuff. Operating costs, because you're in the least efficient building in Rutherford County, is about $562,000 a year. Heat just seeps right out of this ceiling, right? And it rains, it's fun when it rains around here because you get to learn all the places where rain comes through the building. Um, Repairing things around campus, because we were so aggressive at paying this building off, we paid off just under $5 million in three years and 11 months. And during that time, we didn't do anything to this building, right? We didn't touch the roof. We didn't touch the HVAC that sounds like a shotgun when it turns on. We didn't touch the carpet. We didn't do anything. And now we are trying to address some of those problems. And that's gonna be pretty expensive. Our Woodbury campus, which runs 600 people, in a town of 2,200, their expenses are about $556,000 a year. Shelbyville campus runs about 250, and their uh, expenses are about $350,000 a year. Uh, we have no mortgage. This is an actual, if you don't have any CPA or financial advisor friends, you probably don't know the lingo in that world, but it's no debt suckers. <laughs> we, we owe no money to anybody, right? <laughs> I, think, I think Dave Ramsey said that one time, suckas with a Z, I can't remember. But here's the thing, um, we, don't, we have never taken out a loan. We paid the guy directly for this building, no loan. We've never had a credit card, we're very anti-debt. Now, because we do not have any debt, that leads to the next very important point that I'm very proud of. We give 30% bare minimum of our budget away in benevolence. So this year, that'll be $2.5 million of our budget will be given away. Now, what is amazing about you guys, because you're an amazing congregation, on top of that, you guys on average give almost half a million dollars in cash to the nonprofits that we highlight throughout the year. So this church will easily give away $3 million this year. My hope is that we will increase 30 and eventually hit 50%. So where 50% of everything that comes in goes right back out. I think God is honoring that in a major way. Now in saying all that, I do wanna let you know there are some huge financial hills that we need to climb if we're gonna to continue to grow. The biggest one is there's property right behind this building back here. There's three acres and two buildings back here. I would absolutely love to purchase those buildings and that, and that acreage back there. We'll keep the buildings. There's actually a, a guy that comes to church here, Gabriel, that does a jujitsu studio back there. We would keep that in there, but use the rest of it for ministry and make a wonderful parking lot back there. But that's $3 million that we don't have. We also are going to create more parking on this side. There's a little bit of grain, uh, green space, a little sliver still over there. 
um, we'll make that into more parking. It's extremely expensive because we have to do it with those pavers and that'll be about $150,000. And then as we continue to plant more churches, I'm not gonna take a loan out to buy buildings. Uh, we're either gonna rent or we're gonna pay cash. Like when we, when we started the Woodbury campus, I took a check and wrote a check for $190,000 for the property there. That's just what we do. We're not gonna go into debt to do this. So we have to have that money set back. These are the financial hurdles, if you will, uh, that we're kind of facing as a church. Now, when it comes to finances, I also wanna tell you this, and this is the last slide on finances. I do not know who gives at this church. I don't want to know who gives at this church. The only people that I will ever check to see if they give faithfully to this church are our elders, because they make financial decisions, and the people that work at this church. And the reason why I check, if you get hired at this church, when you sign your papers to get hired, one of the things it says is that you will give 10% of your income back to the mission and vision of this church. Here's the reason why that's a big deal to us if you work here. If, if you guys, you guys pay for my health insurance, you pay for me to buy food for my family. If your gracious giving is going to, to, to supply us, right, and to help us, we that work here are going to give at least as much as you guys give, if not more, back to the church. That's only the right thing to do. So whether you believe tithing, giving 10% of your income is biblical or not, I do believe it's biblical, but if you disagree with me on that, that's fine. It is impossible to argue that the gospel can advance without us being generous with our finances. It cannot. We can't plant churches, we can't do missions work, we can't feed the poor, we can't clothe the naked, we can't do any of that unless we are financially committed to the vision of God. So what does our future look like? I hope this is not anticlimactic to you. Simply put, we just want people to know Jesus Christ. That's it. Right now, Murfreesboro is the second fastest growing city in Tennessee behind Nashville. If we keep growing at the rate we are growing in the next two to four years, Murfreesboro will be bigger than Knoxville. It will be bigger than Chattanooga. It will go Nashville, Memphis, Murfreesboro. We're growing at an extremely rapid pace. So we have to continue to reach this rapidly growing city by teaching the word, serving our community, and just making more disciples of Jesus. It's not just Murfreesboro though, this whole state is growing. Everyone is moving to Tennessee, it seems. And if they don't move to an area like Murfreesboro, they are moving to places like Woodbury, Shelbyville, Manchester. They're less congested. It's a little bit cheaper to live. So areas like Woodbury are actually starting to blow up a little bit. And so we need to reach those areas as well. So plant as many churches in as many counties as quickly as we can. That's what we're trying to do. We are also seeing a decline of Christianity in the United States. And so again, people always talk about, well, we need to do missions on the other side of the world. We need to do missions in New England. We need to do missions in the Northwest. There are less percentage-wise Christians in those areas than virtually anywhere else in the world. So we need to reach our nation. So we wanna continue to support churches in these areas where it's tough. And we need to keep reaching new countries, new parts of the world with mission trips, full-time missionaries, and just giving them money so they can work in the areas that they are in. So what now? Simply put, listen, we need to work on our personal relationship with Jesus. Everything I have talked about up until this point is a no-brainer. It will naturally happen. 
The, the, the serving opportunities will be filled, the financial needs will be met, the spreading of the gospel will happen if all of us in this room build our relationship with Jesus. The first thing you need to do though is just be at church, just be here. And listen, if you don't like me, if you don't like anything I've said, find a place you like, a pastor you like, and be there every single week. We need to be together, we need to be united, we need to be at church. The book of Hebrews says we need to do it more and more and more until the second coming of Christ, be here. Also be praying, be praying for, for your family, for your city, for you. Be repentant when you make mistakes and sin. Be connected with God through prayer and listen to God when he speaks to you. Also, make this a priority in your life and do what it tells you to do, okay? Simply put, build your relationship with Christ. The other thing that I would implore you to do, get involved in that discipleship process. If you come here on the weekends, but you've never been to a next class, come to a next class. You get to eat free pizza, drink free coffee. You have to listen to me for an hour or whatever, but it's worth it, right? I'm a good cheap date. So you can come here, know more about the church. And then if you've been to a next class, get in following Jesus, get in authentic discipleship, start serving, get into a small group. The process works. Get involved in it. You will grow, I promise. What we need to do now too is I, I'm asking for your patience. As we continue to grow, um, there may be construction around the buildings, parking may be a little bit more interesting than it is at your, your traditional churches. Like it, it's gonna be a little bit different, but we're doing the best we can with a limited amount of money and a limited amount of space. We're being as creative as we can. Listen, my staff works and I work six days a week and sometimes that doesn't even feel like we have enough time to get everything done that we need to. I promise you we're working as hard as we can, as smart as we can. Just please be patient with you. And listen, this is the last snarky thing I'm gonna say all day. But after you go to a third world country and find out how much they work just to be at church, and then you, you come in here on a weekend and it's a little bit low because like, you know, people just, you know, wanted to watch a football game or they just didn't wanna get out of bed or, or maybe the seats are a little bit too close together and it's a little uncomfortable. Guys, we're in an air-conditioned building with a big fancy PA and screens with my face on it and notes, handouts, and apps. We can, we can tough it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can make it, guys. It's gonna be okay. We just need to be patient and we need to put God first and put the community above ourselves. If we're gonna reach our city and beyond, again, we have to be praying for our city. It does very little good to hop on social media and just bash Murfreesboro all the time. Pray for Murfreesboro. Get to know people in our city. Share the gospel with people. Pray for the leadership of our city, the school teachers in our city, the first responders in our city. So last week I get a text, and I'm not trying to boast on this. I'm just, I think it's kind of a funny story. So I get a text last week from, from, from the mayor of, of Murfreesboro, Shane, who comes to church here. And he said, hey, um, would you be willing to, to pray at City Hall for all the, the recently elected people who are going into their different positions, school board and commissioner, and, and he just got reelected as mayor, all this stuff. He goes, would you be willing to pray for that? And I was like, well, sure, I'm very honored. Wow, what a, what a nice thing to ask me to do. Thank you, I'd love to do that. And then about a minute later, he put, and he was serious as could be, he goes, and can you wear shoes? <laughs> and I said, 
for you? Yes, I'll, I'll wear shoes. I may even slip on a collared shirt. You know, I just might blow everyone's mind. So here's the thing. Um, this church, this church, I just need your commitment. Um, man, guys, the local church is the hope of the city. I'm not talking about just of Murfreesboro. Every city on planet Earth is the local church. That is the hope of the city. Well, I thought God would, we are the ambassadors of God. We are the hands and feet of God. We are Christ on earth until Christ comes back. That's what we are. We are his bride. We are the voice of God on this earth until he comes back. Jesus says, you are the salt and the light. You are a light not meant to be hidden, but to be uncovered and bright so the whole city can be illuminated. What do we need to do? Be here, listen, not only be here, be here mentally and spiritually. Be present. When we get into the book of Esther, don't just come, buy a Bible or get the Bible on your phone or download the app. Listen, apply those things. On a selfish level, let me tell you this, the world is insane out there. There's plenty of problems and stress and anxiety waiting for you out there. Come into this place and let this be a sanctuary. Be poured into. Take a breath. Worship. Be around other people. Be filled up. Take advantage of this. Find community. Don't do this alone. We are not meant to do this alone. Find some friends. Find some brothers, some sisters. Be generous with your giving. Again, I will not know if you give or not, but if we are going to advance the gospel, feed the poor, help those who are in prison, start churches, do missions work, we need people to be gracious. On a side note, listen, if you will trust God with your money, I give you my word. God will always make sure that you make ends meet. He will always take care of you. I give you my word. And listen, serve, because serving changes our heart and it is the heart of Christ to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. And when we serve people, we're being Christ-like. Here's the thing. Last point. Your life is not gonna be changed by a bigger, more elaborate, pretty, more technologically advanced building. That is not gonna change your life. Um, having fancier lights and sound system is not gonna change your life. Um, having a rabbit parachute out at Easter, throwing you know gift cards out of eggs is not going to change your life. There is no gimmick, there is no trick. It is consistently following the great commission of Jesus that will save marriages, that will save souls, that will save families, that will change work environments, that will change school systems, that will change the hearts of man, that will deliver people from fear and anxiety, that will deliver people from addiction. It is not a trick, it is not a gimmick. It is doing what our Lord and Savior said 2,000 years ago. Make disciples, baptize, teach. And then he says, remember, I will be with you till the end of time. We just need to do what the Bible tells us to do. And you will see change and you will see people's lives around you changed. It's anticlimactic. We just need to keep doing what we're doing, but we need to keep pushing it forward and doing it more and more and more and touching as many hearts as we can possibly touch.
Last thing is this, and if you're new here, if you've been here for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For some reason, guys, for some reason, God has made this place like lightning in a bottle, and I do not understand it. I'm an unlearned man. I've never been to seminary. I've never done anything to earn this position. We have the most ragtag, weird group of congregants and staff here. I'm serious. You'll find the most diverse, eclectic crowd ever at this church. But for some reason, and this should humble us and excite us, God is doing something with us. God is doing amazing stuff. And we are growing rapidly, and we are having influence, and we are seeing amazing things. Last story, and it's kind of two rolled up into one real quick. People always criticize the local church, not our church, but the local church, for not doing anything to change the world. Last month in Cannon County, we have a church in, in Woodbury, the school system got a hold of Josh Brooker and they said, the Cannon County school system doesn't have enough in their budget to make sure that low-income people who get free and reduced lunch and breakfast, we cannot feed the kids at school anymore. So what the church in Cannon County did is they took it out of their budget. And so for the first quarter of this year, right, our church will provide all of the meals for the, that the government should be providing, but it's not there, right? So the church has stepped in to make sure that these kids get a breakfast and a lunch every single day. This church, <laughs> now listen, I know that's not directly the gospel, but it's indirectly the gospel. The people see what the church is doing and where society has failed, the light of the church steps in. Even in this community, this church will give $120,000 to the Rutherford County school system this year. So teachers don't have to pull money out of their already way uh, uh, paid you know, budget that they have, way underpaid that they are, that we step in and we buy the things that they need and we provide for those schools. We have an opportunity for the church to be the salt and the light to make a difference. This is what God has given us to do. He's given us such favor, such blessing. And I want us to just be more of that to the city around us. Okay, would you bow your heads with me, please? If you, if you are in this room and maybe you are not a believer, maybe you're a new believer, or maybe you just have questions, up here on my right, your left, Pastor Greg is up here on the corner of the stage. If you wanna ask him anything, you're welcome to ask him anything you want. We're not offended by questions. So if you wanna ask him anything, you're welcome to do so. We also have men and women on both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything in your life, anything, please come up here and let one of these men or women pray with you, okay? The last thing is, all the way around this room, and if you're sitting in the middle, on these posts in the middle, there's uh, disposable communion. But everywhere where you see a lamp on a table or on these four posts in the middle, there's bread and wine that represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us in this room, if we have repented for our sins, we are able to take the, the, uh, the bread and the wine that represents the body and blood of Christ is communion. As you take that, I just want you to, to, to meditate and ponder a little bit today on this. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, you're the light, you're the salt. We have a tremendous responsibility put on us as the church to make an impact in our community, but we're not doing that alone. We have the Holy Spirit of God with us. 
We're equipped. We can do this, okay? Father, Lord, I love you. God, I thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for everyone in this room. I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you, God, for the opportunities we've had in our community. Lord, keep us humble, God. Keep us tied to you, Lord. Keep us focused on what you want us to be focused on, Lord. Make us loving people, God, hardworking servants, Lord God, generous givers, Lord. Just keep your hand on us, Father. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. Keep your hand on everyone in this room, Lord, until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless you guys. I hope you have a good rest of your Sunday.